in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, no. Don't go. Staten Island is talking about seceding from the city. This pops up every now and then. Every couple of years, somebody comes up with it. But don't do it. There seems to be a bit more momentum. you got people like uh, Nicole Maliotakis, people who could actually swing things to make it happen. We can't have that. Here's why I need Staten Island as part of this city. You're the only hope. You're the only hope. The people of Staten Island for a citywide office, right? You know, it would be constant mayor, constant leftist, constant Marxist. It's bad enough as it is. We would have absolutely no hope of another Rudy Giuliani type figure. Mike Bloomberg before he went woke, right? Uh, we would not have had Giuliani. We would not have had Mike Bloomberg without Staten Island, the good people of Staten Island. And if you guys leave to form your own city, well, this city, New York City, I happen to be in Manhattan right now, is, uh, I mean, finished. I mean, beyond hope. I mean, then it's automatic. We all got to leave. I mean, all right, Nicole Maliotakis. Now, she can't do this herself, of course, right? You can't just decree it. And I think it, even if the voters vote for it uh, in Staten Island, uh, a whole bunch of other things have to be done with the city charter and whatnot. But uh, Congresswoman Maliotakis... And she didn't just say this on WABC. I think she's floating this all over the place. Or is it a false alarm? Is it a false alarm? I hope. Cut 15, please. Cut 15. The possibility of Staten Island seceding. Is that becoming a real possibility? Well, I think it, there's a groundswell support for it uh, among uh, residents of Staten Island who are getting increasingly frustrated uh, by having the mayor, the governor, the president's policies jammed down our throats, people that we did not vote for. But here in New York City, you know, we certainly didn't support uh, the policies of Mayor de Blasio. We don't support the policies of Eric Adams. And yet we're being subjected to them against our will. Yeah, all these uh, illegal migrants coming in. All right, so it doesn't sound like groundswell, yes, but we've seen it before. And then they run the numbers, and then the Staten Island Ferry uh, is going to be like $60, all right, and uh, that kind of thing. But, you know, a lot of folks don't even use the ferry anymore. Um, Hey, Giuliani, (laughs) what a hero. What a hero. The judge is blasting Giuliani uh, for paying lip service to legal obligations while portraying himself as a victim. Well, he is a victim. He is. The whole culture has gone totally crazy. Judge, you too. Judges. We used to be able to count on judges. They were supposed to be the reasonable ones in the room, right? They were supposed to be, like, not given to the whims of the mob. Uh, you know about this sorority in North Dakota? They are insisting. The judge said, you have to take a biological man uh, in the fraternity. That guy is going to be uh, one of you, one of you Sigma Chi Alpha people. Guys, six foot two. These are all women, all women in the sorority. And they were just on the radio. It's a very beautiful uh, appearance here. Seven women. Uh, they they showed up on the Megyn Kelly show. I like Megan a lot, by the way. She is uh, she's great. I know she has her detractors. Hey, we all do. Um, I actually think that maybe someday she could uh, she could make a run for national office and uh, make a real, real difference. Uh, fantastic broadcaster and, um, yeah, major political force in the future, I believe. Anyway, uh, so this, um, this judge and, and, and Rudy was talking about this yesterday, 89 years old. How could a guy like that not see through 
this pervert who wants to be with all the girls in that fraternity, I'm sorry, sorority in North Dakota. In North Dakota, which is supposed to be a very, you know, conservative, reasonable place. They have this sorority. They're insisting that a man be in the sorority and he's already in and they say legally he, I know that, I know she calls herself or he calls herself, he calls himself Artemis, which is a girl's name, an unusual, beautiful name. This guy's not beautiful. This guy is an imposter. This guy is a joke. Uh, but it's a real threat here. Let's listen to these women. All of the bathrooms are shared spaces. There are about three, four, if you count the guest bathroom. And they are shared spaces. There are no private changing areas for when you shower. There are no locks on the showers. And it's just, it's very open and vulnerable. Oh, my goodness. And this person's moving into the sorority house next year? What's interesting about that, Megan, is that uh, there has been an exemption granted for him, for his safety, but not for these young women. I like the music in the background. Eminem, huh? Uh, Eminem's got really stingy with his music. Yeah, a judge dismissed a lawsuit brought by six University of Wyoming Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority sisters seeking to block a trans-identifying male from joining. Breitbart, the sorority sisters will now be forced to accommodate Artemis Langford, whose real name is Dallin, six foot, two inches tall, a 260-pound man who believes he is a she. Um, let's see. Oh, sorry. Wyoming. Yeah. U.S. District Court Judge Alan Johnson, after hearing allegations of sexual deviancy on Langford's part, ultimately dismissed the case on Friday and stated that redefining woman to include males was Kappa Kappa Gamma's bedrock right as private voluntary organization and one this court may not invade. Huh? Johnson notably used Langford's preferred she, her pronouns in his decision and repeatedly referred to Langford as a transgender woman. Huh. Ultimately dismissed the case on Friday and stated that redefining woman to include males was Kappa Kappa Gamma's bedrock right as a private voluntary organization. So the the, uh, umbrella group did that. But these women who go to the University of Wyoming, they have to deal with it. The University of Wyoming chapter voted to admit, and more broadly, a sorority of hundreds of thousands approved, Langford. With its inquiry beginning and ending there, the court will not define woman today. Thanks a lot, Judge. God forbid you stick your neck out hiding under those robes. What's up with those robes anyway? Uh, very strange. Judge Johnson pointed out that while sorority bylaws state that a new member shall be a woman, no bylaw actually defines what a woman is. Oh, wow. Wow. Al <laughs> William Webster of you. My goodness gracious. He also cited the 2018 guide for supporting our LGBTQIA plus members, which states Kappa Kappa Gamma is a single gender organization comprised of women and individuals who identify as women whose governing documents do not discriminate in membership ex- selection, except by requiring good scholarship and ethical character. Well, Somebody dresses in women's clothes uh, right off the bat and wants to hang around the women. I'm sorry. No way. No way. Just use your common sense here, judge. Looking at these, they had no conception that this would happen. The sorority admitted Langford in September 2022 after a vote granting him access to the sorority house, which accommodates up to 50 women, although he has not been living at the house. 
Seven sorority sisters initially filed a lawsuit against Kappa Kappa Gamma leadership in March, although one woman removed herself from the lawsuit after the women were told their names would not be shielded. Yeah, they're terrified of the woke, crazy mob. And these transgender people, hey, I'll say it right now. I'm a transphobe, all right? I mean, I, there's not, like, I'm sorry, but the the militant nature, the militant uh, philosophy, uh, transphobe, I mean, like how they have demonized, like you can't, be, I, why shouldn't I be afraid a little bit of this crew? Now, there are some great transgender people out there, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, our friend Christine, but I guess I'm a transphobe when it comes to the trans uh, movement, right? Is that okay? Is that all right? Oh, boy, now I've done it again, right? This is a big deal. Are you serious? I am definitely afraid of that uh, creep in the women's clothing who stands around children in PS44. I showed that picture. I show it all the time. I call it the monster pick. Why do they want this? They want this to, uh, well, I think one of the reasons is they don't want people to have children. And, wow, they're off to a great start. For decades, they had a decades-long head start. A decade. Maybe I'll, okay, shall I say trans-awkward? Would that be better? All right, transphobe, I guess, Certain alarm bells go off. I'm, a, I'm, tr- I'm not transphobe. I'm trans awkward, totally awkward, and I am totally opposed to this to, to to women being victimized. This is these women are victimized. They were victimized on the University of Pennsylvania s- swimming team by that Leah Thompson Thomas, number five hundred and forty eighth best swimmer in the world, goes to. Number one, number one overnight. It's a shortcut. It's a shortcut to status. It's a shortcut to protection. It's a shortcut to protected status. Um, you know what we really need? You know, we got a lot of people, corporate chieftains, even afraid to talk about this stuff. You know who's not afraid to talk about anything? Trump. Um, even DeSantis. You know, I mean, like, I, we've gone through it. DeSantis, you know, who goes up against the woke mob, he does it, quite frankly, in a mealy-mouthed way, right? There's nothing... He's always looking over his shoulder. Now, what he said about the, um, hey, do we have that stuff where he said about the looting and the shooting? He actually said it's okay to shoot. It's funny, when, when Donald Trump said something along those lines, it was uh, there was a whole great big freakout over that. Here's Trump talking about, um, there was a tweet that he put out warning people after George Floyd, uh, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, Right. And really, everybody just kind of lost it. They just didn't. Even Harris Faulkner, who I like a lot on Fox News, what did she do? She sits down the, you know, she sits down with the president, and uh, she's so, mm, well, we got to talk about this. Um, cut twenty-eight, please. Harris on TV, but I'm a black woman. Yeah. I'm a mom, and you know, when, and you've talked about it, but we haven't seeing you come out and be that consoler in this instance and the tweets when the looting starts the shooting starts why those words so that's a, an expression i've heard over the years and it do you know really where it comes from to, uh, i think philadelphia the mayor of philadelphia no, from what it, it comes from 1967 i was about 18 months old at the time everybody's shooting wiki because they probably got it wrong but It was from the chief of police in Miami. He was cracking down, and he meant what he said. And he said, I don't even care if it makes it look like brutality. I'm going to crack down when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Um, That frightened a lot of people when you you tweeted that. It also comes from a very tough mayor 
who I might have been police commissioner at the time, but I think mayor of Philadelphia named Frank Rizzo. And he had an expression like that. But I've heard it many times from, I think it's been used many times. Uh, it means two things, uh, very different things. One is if there's looting, there's probably going to be shooting. And that's not as a threat. That's really just a fact because that's what happens. And the other is if there's looting, there's going to be shooting. There's very, they're very different meanings. Oh, interesting. No, there's very different meanings. But I think. Do you that think most people see it that way? I think they see it both ways. No, I mean, I've, I've had it viewed both ways. I think it's meant both ways, not by the same person. All right. That was in the middle of uh, the summer of George Floyd. And the, the tweet is, these thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd. And I won't let that happen. Just spoke to Governor Tim Waltz and told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty and we will assume control. But when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Thank you. Uh, I kind of knew that growing up, actually, that you know when looting is... <laughs> Looting is when civil society just disintegrates. Now, listen to Ron. That was they tried to impeach Trump over that. That's when impeachment got a lot of momentum. Listen to Ron DeSantis uh, just a little while ago. Cut seven. This is in the aftermath of the hurricane. Cut seven. I've told all of our personnel at the state level, you know, you you protect people's property and and we are not going to tolerate any looting in the aftermath of a natural disaster. I mean, it's just ridiculous that you would try to do something like that on the heels of an almost Category 4 hurricane hitting this community. I'd also just remind potential looters that people, you never know what you're walking into. People have a right to defend their property. Uh, this part of Florida, you got a lot of advocates and some proponents of the Second Amendment. And I've seen signs in different people's yards in the past after these disasters. And I would say it's probably here. You loot, we shoot. You never know what's behind that door. If you go break into somebody's house and you're trying to loot, uh, these are people that are going to be able to defend themselves and their families. So, so I would not do it. Okay. When you loot, we shoot. And when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Same difference. You'll notice there's no national outcry right now. I mean, what they did to Trump over that comment, which is what it was. He explained it. Uh, kind of fascinating, isn't it? All right. Give me a moment. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, <laughs> a Trump is uh, being indicted, being arrested. He just pleaded no, not guilty. Uh, he did it like over Zoom. He didn't have to be there in the Atlanta case, you know. Sometimes um, you get arrested and they book you right away and they bring you up to the court and you enter a plea. He didn't actually have to do that. He did it uh, just a little while ago. And uh, he put out something like, <laughs> let me see, one, two, three, four, uh, 14, 14 videos on Truth Social of him making various points about stuff. Uh, I'm going to go through some of them here. Uh, just like just one after the next here. Wait. Well, I want to thank you very much to the. Under crooked Joe Biden, every young American deserves to know that. I'm just scrolling through. To an incredible, the left-wing lunatics are Trump. I defeated 100 percent of the ISIS caliphate. Ever. We were leaving Afghanistan with dignity. We were 
This month marks the two-year anniversary of the most embarrassing event in the history of our country, Joe Biden's disastrous surrender in Afghanistan. Look at Joe Biden's only campaign strategy is indicting me. That's all they... Look at Joe Biden is totally controlled by China, Ukraine, and very... Numbers are up since the very boring, record-setting low, the ratings, that is. There were low ratings. <laughs> These are great. It's one after the next after the next. Let's hear one in its entirety. Let's see here. Do we have the one? I like the ones about Fox News a lot. I like the ones about, uh, ooh, here's one. Cut 22. Fox News and the Wall Street Journal fight me because Murdoch is a globalist. That's right. Rupert Murdoch is a globalist. You don't know that. And I am America first. It's very simple. I put America first. It will always be that way, so get used to it. The sanctimonious, by the way, is done. He was a Murdoch pick, just like uh, Jeb Bush was a Murdoch pick. How did that work out? Just like Hillary Clinton. Murdoch liked Hillary Clinton. Crooked Hillary. And uh, that was another pick of Murdoch. No, uh, we are about America first, and some people don't like that. The Wall Street Journal has totally lost its way. Uh, they say anything that happens to come to mind. They pushed the sanctimonious so hard, and now they're looking for somebody else because he's failed. He's fallen like a rock. He's fallen like a very badly injured bird out of the sky. <laughs> but I just want to thank everybody for the tremendous support you've given me. We're leading in the polls by 50 and 60 points, and we're beating Biden by 5, 6, 7, 11. We have a lot of great polls with Biden. The guy can't put two sentences together. How can he win? So thank you all very much. I actually heard some chuckling in the background as people, right? Can't put two sentences together. Now, you can say, oh, that's mean, that's uh, petty about Fox News. That's actually not. It's actually good to hear. But here's something of substance. It's a major accomplishment that he doesn't talk about enough, quite frankly, and, and nobody else does either. Cut 19. I defeated 100% of the ISIS caliphate. Everyone said that couldn't be done. And I did it in a matter of weeks. We have great generals. We have great military, but not the people you see on television. All other presidents failed. After 20 years, they failed. They worked so hard. They thought so hard. They didn't know what they were doing. All of the presidents before me failed. For 20 years, I defeated ISIS in just a matter of weeks. Thank you. It's true. And uh, it's kind of crazy. I predicted he would do that. I did. I actually should break that out. 2015, I was... played Donald Trump in the future, and that he defeated ISIS in 20 minutes. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. CNN going bananas again over uh, Justice Clarence Thomas riding a private jet, a private jet that his friend owned. If you're lucky enough to have a friend with a private jet, good for you. <laughs> it's uh, it's really kind of a it's 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 totally permissible. Uh, when Barack Obama was a senator flying around on, uh, uh, big tobacco company jets, well, that's a real problem. Elizabeth Warren, when she's flying around on big pharma jets, that's a big problem. However, they actually worked it out where it's legal. They're always hitching rides. Hey, having been on a private jet once, I took off and we landed right back at the same place. It was like a, we were like tourists. We were like tourists. We were like getting a demo of a private jet. I did it for the Good Day New York show. It was kind of fun. Rosanna and I got all dressed up and we went on a private jet ride. And it was, um, uh, very, uh, eh, you know what? It was, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it would be great. If I own one, that'd be great, but I don't. And JetBlue isn't that bad. You could be at 30,000 feet drinking a Diet Coke. Who, who cares if you got to sit next to some stranger? I don't, I mean, maybe you make a friend. God forbid you talk to somebody. 
it's it's amazing what we have, what what ordinary people can do. I think Warren Buffett said the kings of today, the kings of 2023, um, ordinary people, ordinary people, or the kings of how do they how do they put it? There? The kings of 1950, ordinary people today, their lives totally beyond their craziest dreams. Regular people. You could work at the Department of Motor Vehicles and go on vacation to Italy for three weeks, right? It happens. And you fly on a 747 jet. You know, regular people can access this stuff and do these things and go on a cruise. It wasn't always like that. Um, all right. So what do we have here? They're giving Justice Thomas a hard time. They're giving Justice Alito a hard time. I notice they're not giving Justice Sotomayor a hard time. Um and you know what? Well, she doesn't have as much money as a lot of the people in Washington, D.C. She got there. She only had like 60,000 bucks life savings, which isn't a lot when you're in your 60s. However, they gave her a great, big, fat, multi-million dollar book contract. And guess what comes up in front of the Supreme Court from time to time? Um, issues relating to uh, books and publishing and all that kind of stuff. But, hey, she gets, what do we call it? Democrat. Immunity, Democrat immunity, uh, no scrutiny. Uh, it really is a uh, we have a thoroughly corrupt one sided media. And it's it's sad. They are actively I think you could put a dollar amount on everything they do and how it helps Democrats. I think there's got to be a lawsuit that we can wage. Somebody can wage. You know who should be suing right now? The people of Maui. Seven hundred bucks, seven hundred crummy dollars from the federal government. This is Deanne Criswell. Deanne Criswell is the FEMA director. Um, I wonder what she knows about emergencies. I looked up her resume. She's had, uh, she has some background in it. Uh, but I think she needs to go to empathy school. If she thinks 700 bucks is enough for these people, cut 27, please. Cut 27. The critical needs assistance that was provided to those in Maui, $700 in payments to individuals there, given the cost of living in Hawaii, specifically in the Lahaina community. Is anything being done right now? Are there considerations or efforts being made to try to raise that cap, that $700 figure for those who are there? Yeah, the $700 figure of critical needs assistance is really just that amount of funding for some of the very immediate needs um, that individuals have. Uh, every year, the, the main part of our assistance, which is our individual and household program, adjusts annually based on inflation. This year, it's $41,000 of a cap that individuals can get. Uh, that will get raised after the um, fiscal year. I, I don't know what that number is yet, but we do adjust that main portion of the funding that goes to individuals annually based on inflation. Talk to the people at Breezy Point to see how difficult it is to actually access that money all of the red tape this is this will be a full-time job uh for these people dealing with the federal government the folks in breezy point you know breezy point was almost vaporized by hurricane sandy and um rebuilding there the federal government um way harder than it should be you know they're what did ronald reagan say the deadliest or the most the scariest words in the english language we are the federal government and we are here to help. It does not work that way. And uh, how did they come up with the initial payment? 700 bucks a pop. Everybody gets $700 a pop. Cut eight.
The $700 figure of critical needs assistance is really just that amount of funding for some of the very immediate needs um, that individuals have. Uh, every year, the, the main part of our assistance, which is our individual and household program, adjusts annually based on inflation. This year, it's $41,000 of a cap that individuals can get. Uh, that will get raised after the um, fiscal year. I, I don't know what that number is yet, but we do adjust that main portion of the funding that goes to individuals annually based on inflation. What immediate, I mean, you can't go shopping over there, right? I mean, there's nothing to buy. There's no stores. It's, well, it's a holocaust. It is a holocaust. And what is going on with that police chief in charge in Maui who was on duty uh, when the massacre happened and the mass shooting in Las Vegas? Remember that, where more than 100 people or so, 60 people, I think, were killed, hundreds wounded? That crazy case, they've not been able to figure out the um, uh, what the motive was, although the FBI probably knows a lot more than they have let on. Joe Biden is, uh, well, now that he finished up the Hurricane Adalia stuff, it's fascinating how responsive he was to Hurricane Adalia. Could it have anything to do with the fact that the hurricane hit two swing states, uh, Florida and Georgia? <laughs> Uh, you know, what was he? It was Joe, no comment Biden. He did not, he didn't say anything for a week, for a week. And then when they asked him about it, he just said no comment. Let's see here. Cut three. When I took office, I directed my team to raise our game and how we lead and coordinate our responses to natural disasters. And, uh, because I've been around a while and I've known how these function. Wow. So much wisdom. So much, you know, he doesn't, you don't get that kind of uh, insight, actually, as a legislator. You just don't. You don't know how things run. Rick in Elmwood Park, hello. Great, thanks for taking my call. Um, if I was one of those sorority girls, I would get our boyfriends together and a couple extra dudes put on some masks. Wait, 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 wait. If you were one of the sorority girls? Yeah, where there's a guy in. What would you do? I'd get our boyfriends together. Sounds like you've really gamed this out in your head. I mean, you know, that's the whole problem. There's a guy there who's pretending he's a girl. Now, here you are kind of saying what you would do if you were a girl. He's a sexual predator. Uh, I know, but, you know, well, uh, yeah. All right. So you'd get your boyfriend and uh, what else? What would you do after your boyfriend took care of the situation? I'd have all the guys beat the crap out of him. He wouldn't want to stay there anymore. Well, number one, we don't want to do that. All right. You don't, uh, you know. But what would you do after your boyfriend beat the crap out of him? That's all you got to do. You got to tune him up. No, what would you do? What would you do? You know, you're the the guy. He's the hero. You're the girlfriend. What happens next? I would say I know nothing when the police show up. All right. Wouldn't you be happy that your boyfriend did what you wanted? Yes. All right. Rick, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can do that. I think you got to do what these women have done, which is go to court. Uh, you know, the, the days of inviting your boyfriend over, uh, well, they're never going to happen for you, but you can't, you can't have your boyfriend come over and beat people up. Uh, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't work. All right. Um, and if you do it, I don't want to hear about it, but, uh, sometimes things have to be done. Rick, thank you very much. Sal, hello. Hey, Greg, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, not that we know for a fact that nothing is working, right? Uh, what is what is what are they gonna do next? Are they gonna try to assassinate the guy? I saw we the people are deciding who the president going to be. I mean, this is crazy. How far this lunatic gonna go? What, what, what is going on? No, I know what you mean, man. Yeah, the assassination word. Listen, 
What what date is today? August thirty first, last day of August. I don't want to talk about assassination anymore. I've actually I asked the president about it myself uh, last week when I talked to him. I um, Tucker Carlson has asked him about it a couple of times because this has not had the effect that they thought. Right? They thought one indictment he'd have to drop out, two indictments he'd have to leave the country, three indictments he's dead. You know, like of a heart attack. You just can't. Um, so uh, what do we got here? Uh, this is Tucker Carlson. Cut 12, please. Cut 12. Are they going to let Trump be president? No, of course. I mean, look, if, you know, they protested him. They called him names. He won anyway. They impeached him twice on ridiculous pretenses. They fabricated a lot about what happened on January 6th in order to impeach him again. It didn't work. He came back. Then they indicted him. It didn't work. He became more popular. Then they indicted him three more times. And every single time his popularity rose. So if you begin with criticism, then you go to protest, then you go to impeachment. Now you go to indictment and none of them work. What's next? I mean, you know, graph it out, man. We're speeding toward assassination, obviously. And no one will say that. But I don't I don't know how you can reach that conclusion. Yikes. Well, we got to make sure he doesn't get assassinated. I, I don't like this at all. Uh, we got to make sure he's okay. And I know security around him is fantastic, but yeah. And I don't think we should talk about uh, that possibility. And it is a possibility. I don't think we should talk. I'm not going to talk about it going forward. You know, sometimes the more you talk about something, the more you fear something, the more likely it is to happen. Hey, why is everybody talking about Princess Diana? Remember Lady Diana? Then she became Princess Diana. What's the big deal? She's trending right now. What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? Uh, did she, was it her birthday? Is it her? Oh, she died. She died on this day in, in 1997. How many years ago is 1997? It's, uh, tw- 26 years ago. It's not like <laughs> they're acting like it's the 25th anniversary, the silver anniversary. I know it's a grim anniversary, but 26 and she's all over the place. Uh, what do we remember Diana for? Um, well, uh, I don't know. I'm sure she was great to her friends and loved ones, except Charles. And uh, I know she was great with those AIDS patients and things like that. I never met the woman, did you? However, when she died, America totally lost its mind. Uh, she was on the cover of Time magazine for three weeks, three weeks in a row. Never in my life had anyone in any, maybe I run or ran in curious circles, but nobody ever brought up the royal family back then like they do now. It was just not a thing. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah, they did their thing over there, but there wasn't this fascination in part because they're not particularly fascinating people. They're, they're pretty ordinary. Diane was particularly ordinary. I know she had a great hairdo and great clothes, uh, but she was very mopey. And I don't think she was particularly nice to Charles. Obviously, that wasn't a good setup, a good couple. Have you seen the TV movies? I've watched them. She's, uh, you know, she's a bit of a egocentric and, um, I, you know, woe is me and always feeling sorry for herself. And, uh, anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's uh, too bad that she got in that car with Dodie Fayed. If only she had stayed at home. You know, seriously. I mean, work those problems out. Did anybody hear about the big rally that, Mayor Adams is having, Mayor Adams, Ewick is having at Foley Square. When I first heard that, he's trying to, he's trying to get attention to, uh, get the federal government to help with the migrant situation. And he thinks gathering a bunch of people to yell and scream in some place called Foley Square is going to do the trick. 
Uh, the first thing, where is Foley Square, by the way? What is Foley Square? I know it's it's familiar. I think it's one. I just forgot. Foley Square. What is Foley Square? Is it that place by Matt, by uh, Herald Square? No, it's, oh, okay, all right. It's the courthouse, downtown, the courthouse. Somehow I don't think of it as Foley Square. That's not a thing anymore either. You just say downtown, the courts. You got to go where you go to jury duty. You don't say Foley Square. Nobody says Foley Square. Hmm. Anyway, that's where the big uh, thing is. And hopefully it comes off a little bit better than when that guy gave out the Game Boy. Remember the Game Boy situation? Jerry in Edison, New Jersey, hello. Hi, Greg. Uh, two points. Let me first show and remind you or enlighten everybody how the Democrats have already used Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to remove a, de- a Republican, rather, from office. Are you aware of that? Uh, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait. A- this 14th Amendment stuff, is this the insurrection is this insurrection? Yeah, you know that. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that- they're they're accusing some of the Trump supporters, some MAGA people out there, uh, if they were vocal about January 6th, that somehow they're involved in an insurrection. And they're trying to use this to get Trump off the ballot in big states, uh, Minnesota, um, a lot of the swing states. And this is going to be a thing. Ultimately, it's going to lose. It's all going to go to the Supreme Court and they will lose on this because it's obviously unconstitutional. But they're going to try it. Actually, that's a good thing. Remember, we were talking about the indictments. Are they going to kill Trump if these things don't work? The next step is this ballot initiative. Get him off the ballot because they'll say he's guilty of an insurrection, which is totally false. He hasn't even been charged with an insurrection. Uh, So anyway, but 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 you had something to say about this in particular. Yes, Greg. So the three a couple of interest groups, uh, one is called Common Cause and one's the NAACP. And also the lead attorneys on this is a Democratic group called Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. Yeah, and what are they doing? Hurry up. Well, here's what they've already done. They've already removed a guy named Griffin. His last name is he was elected in New Mexico. He all he did was get convicted of trespassing. He didn't enter the building. He didn't have any violence. He didn't have any weapons. And a judge, a state judge, removed him from office in September of 2022 because he was convicted and given 14 days. I remember this guy. Actually, I interviewed him uh, back then. It's about a year ago. Uh, It's about a year ago that happened. Yeah, that's a harbinger of, uh, unfortunately, things to come. And they're going to try it with Trump. And it's totally unconstitutional. It's totally illegal. And we got to keep our eyes on that. I do know that the Trump team is aware and uh, they have lawyered up on that front as well. These secretaries of state, watch out for them. They are a corrupt crew. I'm ta- Not all secretaries, but certainly that Jocelyn Benson. These are the people who threw away the rules and the laws in 2020 and used COVID as an excuse to uh, help Democrats and hurt Republicans and hurt Trump. And they're trying the same thing again, but they're this time they're dialing it up to 11. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, shout out Patriot J, Benny Johnson, Big Bongino, Alex Jones, free my dogs and lock up the radical left gone crazy. This uh, song is still doing well. I don't bail, I don't bail, I won't see inside a cell. Shout out Thugger, free my slime, slat, slat, YSL. They trying to lock me up, but I'm plugged in in ATL. Got homies doing life in jail, they living in hell. All right, good for him. Whoever made this song. Very nice. Where is it now, number two? That's an artificial voice simulation of Trump. Uh, The lyrics are great decrying this uh, unjust situation that he's going through in a certain uh, 
rapperish kind of way. Does anybody know what slat slat means? I don't think we've been able to determine that. And what he keeps saying YSL. I don't know about that either, but um, I just love it. I love taking something bad like being arrested and turning it into uh, something great like that. And who knows what other opportunities and good things are going to come. You know, God has a habit of doing that. Hey, you know who uh, really set this country back? And I'm telling you, if you watch football, um, you may want to think about coming up with some uh, some other things to do. It's a great big waste of time, professional sports in general. I'm sorry. I'm sick of it all. I'm sick of the ticket prices. I'm sick of watching these guys get paid the kind of money they're paid, totally overpaid. I'm sick of the um, kind of bad example they set, especially the NFL. I mean, you know, like a third to a half of them are criminals. I mean, they're always getting in trouble. These are not role models by any means. Um, and they did a lot to set this country back, the NFL, uh, led by Roger Goodell. Who remembers in the heart of Black Lives Matter? I mean, remember they actually stood up to Colin Kaepernick? They were like, yeah, you were, you know, <laughs> stand up for the pre- Pledge of Allegiance or else, you know, you can sit home, you can sit down when you're at home, but here you're an employee and you got to stand up. Well, the George Floyd thing starts and Roger Goodell, who makes about $40 million a year, so that's uh, several million dollars uh, a month. Can you imagine that? That does weird things to your head. Does, is he worth that kind of money? Of course not. But he'll do, and he knows that, and you'll, you'll do very strange things to keep a job like that. So what, what did he do? Because the mob was coming. And, um, first thing he did was he took off his suit, right? Took off his suit and, uh, put on a, uh, like a regular guy sweater from JC Penney, found the cheapest one he could get. And then they went to, uh, somebody's basement somewhere. They found somebody. They asked one of the workers, hey, do you have a, a basement that looks like, you know, the, every man's basement, you know, like a den or something like that? We can't have this looking like a rich guy's house. So he sits in front of, like he's in a very ordinary place to advertise, I don't have much to take, so don't take anything from me, right? And then he virtue signals his ass off. The NFL, the National Football League, Roger Goodell. Take it away, Rog, cut 16. It's been a difficult time for our country in particular, black people in our country. First, my condolences to the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, Admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier. Oh, shut up. All to speak shut out. Up. All of this stuff, all of this goop helped put us in this crazy moment we are in right now. We're shoplifting and crime. Certain crimes are now not against the law, apparently. We're not going to enforce the law. You can walk in and take whatever you want. That moment, Roger Goodell, the NFL, stand for the American flag. When they went woke, it helped break the back of this country. Roger Goodell is still making his money. Well, he ain't getting any from me, and I hope not you either. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You hear that about Uvalde? Okay, the city of Uvalde. Remember where that horrible shooting, those kids were killed? Uh, the city of Uvalde is accusing the Uvalde County District Attorney of uh, a cover-up and not cooperating with the city's investigation into that massacre. Um, what don't we know? 
Oh, by the way, what don't we know? We know the gunman, very weird, uh, and this has been a trend. And I'm not saying anything, but the big NRA convention was a couple of weeks later in Texas, and uh, then this happens. And then in uh, Colorado, in Columbine, in the late 90s, uh, the great NRA convention was going to be happening in Denver, and it happened, uh, the Columbine shooting was just a few weeks before in Colorado. Just totally weird. Um, very strange. A strange coincidence, okay? Strange coincidence. But the Uvalde thing, the thing that I um, that haunts a lot of us, number one, the faces of those kids, and I saw this picture of one of the little six-year-old running out of the building. He had a little tie on, cutest kid in the world, and in absolute terror. It's horrible. Um and the cops, uh, some of them did nothing, right? Waiting for backup, waiting for this, waiting for that. Uh, you got to keep that muscle flexed. You got to keep that muscle exercised. You got to take the initiative. You know, America wants us to be passive these days, to sit back and relax and not, uh, not stick our neck out for anybody, right? It's a little bit like that. And I don't care if you're uh, in law enforcement or if you're in accounting. When you see something wrong, you got to do something about it. You got to stick up for yourself or for someone else. You got to take the initiative. You got to uh, try to remember to be unselfish. You got to try to remember uh, integrity matters. You got to uh, you got to be decisive. You got to be dependable. You got to be because the moment of truth, you know, maybe it'll never befall us. I don't really think it's happened to me yet when you're really, really, really tested. You know, and you got to do the right thing when you're really, really under fire and it's the ultimate test. Are you going to do the right thing? Well, if you don't pass the little tests and I failed all kinds of tests. So, by the way, I'm not saying right, but I want to be ready when that big test comes. And I hope it never comes. But one day it might. Are you ready, James Flippin, for the big test? Hey, Greg. Well, I don't know. That's a tough question to answer because, I mean, here in New York, I think you think about that kind of stuff all the time. Like when you get on the subway or you're in a crowded area, you think, what's going to happen here? And then you have to think, how are you going to respond? That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, you know, some guy whips out a gun. You know, are you going to are you going to look? We all have families. Well, I think the natural thing to do is to run. And sometimes that might be the thing to do. Um, But sometimes it might be the you know, you got to tackle the guy. You got to go. You got to, you know, just, I don't know. I don't want to be ready. I want to, if I'm ever called upon to do something, you want to do the right thing. Right? Yeah. Well, I think, but in a weird way, it's almost like somebody having a gun or something like that is more cut and dried than maybe some of the other hypotheticals you could face. Cause, and who knows how you'd feel in that, that moment where your life is being threatened. You know, they, they say that like courage is when you're afraid, but you still act right in that type of situation. But, in something that's a little more vague, like somebody being harassing or really extremely rude on the subway, that's, I think, where it maybe puts you in a gray area where you're not exactly sure how to respond. Well, I think that's one of those smaller tests, and you got to respond in the right way. Now, then again, if a maniac is going nuts on the train, here's what I've done before. Um, excuse me. I monitor the situation, and I can do that with peripheral vision, right? Because if you look at the guy, he's like, what are you looking at, right? So I'll monitor, and I I remember once thinking, if he touches that woman, I'm going to have to do something, right? And just looking, looking peripherally, I was looking at my phone, but I could see everything that was going on. And I knew if I stepped in, it might have made the matters worse for everybody, including and especially me <laughs> and the woman, actually. So, you know, that... That kind of thing has happened before. But I think that's smart. In other words, you're thinking like in that moment, 
what's the threshold here? Like, what's something that could happen that I'd have to respond to? Yeah, I mean, if someone's going to mouth off on the subway, um, and it wasn't like the uh, thing with Penny, you know, where the guy was really actively threatening and saying, like, crazy stuff about, I'm going to die and so are you and all this weird, you know, it wasn't quite that. But it was pretty rude and pretty intense. And I thought, well, it's still his right to do that, uh, but it's pretty menacing at the same time. If anything, I'm going to have to do so. I didn't want to do it. You know what I mean? But I was going to have to do it. Yeah. I'm trying to think about the other time. And sometimes it's not even a physical thing. Sometimes it's like, I mean, this is so backwards, but I remember um, somebody somebody was caught cheating on a test, right? He was turned in by another student. And they wanted me, they brought me in to ask me questions if I knew that this guy had cheated, right? Like a corroborating witness or yes. something like that. Now, the thing is, I did not know he cheated. However, he told me that he cheated Mm. after he cheated. After Mm. he was busted by this one guy, he gets all nervous and flustered, right? And like, I'm in big trouble, man. I'm like, why? Well, they're saying I cheated. I'm like, well, did you? Yeah. Oh, dude. You know, and like, okay, well, you know, I I don't know what I said then. but uh, And then they brought me in. And I remember walking down the hall like, what am I going to say? What am I, you know what I mean? If they ask me, what am I? And I decided, quite frankly, that I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn them in. I'm, I'm just, I don't want to get this in through this program that bad where I have to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. If, you know, so weirdly, they never asked me. Well, actually, there were two episodes. First, I go to see the company commander and he says, did so and so cheat? No, no. What did he say? Did you hear anything during that test? Anything weird? I'm like, no, I didn't. Nothing at all. How could you not have heard something? I said, I, I can't tell you how I didn't hear anything, but I didn't hear anything. I was just taking the test myself. It was a hard test. Okay. All right. You're free to go. And uh, about six hours later, somebody else called me in, a lower-ranking person, and he actually asked the magic question. You know, first of all, it was like, did, did, did you hear him, you know, cheat? Yeah, right. Did you talk to him after the test? Uh, well, yeah. What did he say to you? So they kind of put they put you on the spot there. And I didn't exactly give them a straight story. Right. There. I said it. I mean, you know, I mean, I just I'm not I I wasn't I wasn't going to. Now, there is a time, though, when you got to turn people in this whole thing. Like, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. It was a you know, he asked for the answer to question number 26. And the guy to his left apparently said, C. Now, I'm not going to ruin somebody's life over that. And this was when you were in the... Yeah, I'd rather not say any more specifics. I'm still getting a little bit nervous about it. Yeah, yeah, I understand. uh, uh, But in essence, wouldn't you feel a sense of loyalty to that person that's taking the test at the same time? No, I didn't know him that well. I I really felt... uh, It wasn't just loyalty. I just... The person I was really angry at was the guy who turned him in. (laughs) I thought it was a little bit much. You know what I mean? Right. This is not the bar exam, pal. All right? right? I just... The SAT. And uh, so what happened? Again, I mean, going back to your point, you have to have a threshold, right? you got to say, okay, there's some level certain things rise to. But then again, I will say this. Then if you have your – if you customize a threshold just for you and you start customizing things, well, okay, you know, it's, it's so it's different for every person. I mean, that's where God comes in, all right? He's got some rules. He's got some flat-out rules, right? we got to abide by those first. True. But everybody's um, got their own moral compass, though. Yeah, and I think that one guy who turned the dude in was a zealot, right? Was a little bit much. He went out of his way to turn him in. He was he, a good. He was a goody two shoes. I even remember that guy's name. I'm not going to say it, but it begins with a B. 
It begins with a B. He's the one who turned the other guy in. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, Brown knows her. <laughs> but I was not exactly a thousand percent candid with the second guy who started asking me questions. Anyway, welcome. Yeah, thanks. What'd, what'd you come in here for? Uh, you know, I figured. Wait, wait, I was... what was that? We were talking. Oh, Uvalde. What happened? Oh, well, the the latest connection to that is that the Biden administration just proposed a rule. You know, this is something you hear about a lot in the gun control debate. Uh, people who are more pro Second Amendment, people who are really into, like, you know, prohibition of guns. Talk about this gun show loophole. Now, I've never tried to buy a gun, period, and certainly not at a gun show. But from what I understand, people that are more on the pro-gun control side say it's easy to buy a gun in a gun show because the rules don't apply as much. Yeah, uh, yeah, the gun show loophole. You don't have to, like, no background checks, no this, no that. The gun show is a lot more permissive. Right, and they talk about how online sales kind of fall under that same purview. So basically what the White House is saying is they want a rule that makes it so you have to go through a criminal background check to buy a gun at a gun show or if you're buying it online. Wait, you will have to undergo a background check? That's the proposed rule. Again, I, it says that the, the story I was working off of says now go through federal rule authorizations. So, I mean, I don't know. They're, they're, it's almost <laughs> like the White House and the executive branch have maybe certain latitude when it comes to enforcing some of these things. They referenced laws that were passed by Congress last summer following the Uvalde shooting. Look at this guy. I'm looking at Joe Biden live. He's at the FEMA Center. He, This is such an embarrassment, all right? They're not fooling anybody. Everybody understands that this guy is not remotely capable of being the president. Uh, he never was in his entire life, but now when he's at his nadir, this is, this is an insult uh, to... I, Every American, I just uh, even even Democrats, they've got to be like, you know, enough with this guy. What's up? What? What? Oh, you want to hear it? Let's just see how he's doing. Dangerous addition. More people, more young people, no, not just young people, are being dying as a consequence of ingesting fentanyl. Sometimes not even knowing it's in the drug they're taking. Uh, and, oh, you see uh, what I mean, right? This is uh, other things I'm, I've been asking the Congress for. It was need about 15 billion dollars along the border to be able to deal with the technology needed to be able to determine whether or not this, these precursor drugs are making it into into Mexico or into the United States. Oh, my God. And dealing with that. So there's more to do there as well. Yeah, right. More to do there. No, turn it up again. It would be a serious, serious problem. I, uh, I'm hoping that uh, there's greater maturity uh, to prevent that from happening, then something. What? Have you spoken to Leader McConnell? Yes, I have. I spoke to Mitch. He's a friend, uh, um, and I, uh, I I spoke to him uh, uh, today. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, he was his old self on the telephone. Uh, and uh, having um, a little understanding. The of, only uh, guy in Washington D.C. that's more out of it than Joe Biden is Mitch McConnell. So I could see them bonding over it. Uh, anything else going on? Uh, let's see. This is kind of a wild story out of um, the subway. There was a guy who was lighting newspapers on fire and throwing them around yesterday at 33rd Street and Park Avenue. So, Where do they get the newspapers? I don't know. Good question. That's what I was wondering. And apparently the thing I was trying to picture was, is this like rolled up newspaper that's lit on fire and tossed? But no, it was just strips of newspaper. That Hold he was on. Lighting Turn on it back fire. on. Listen to this. Congress. Do you, do you want me? Do you want me? <laughs> Let's talk about why I'm here. The answer is I hope he attends the D.C. 
Thank you. All right. I am going to Florida. I am going to. I'm going to Florida uh, Saturday morning. Where am I going now? Did you hear that last part? Where am I going now? That's not cute anymore when you say it. All right. That's been a, a bad joke for a long time. He's at FEMA headquarters. Yes, I'm going to Florida Saturday morning. I'm going this afternoon, by the way. Are you really? Yep. JetBlue. And, um, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to get the hell out of town. I like JetBlue. Ch- change of scenery. Yeah. All right. Final word. Uh, American Airlines flight attendants are threatening to go on strike. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Racist, but these rappers riding with me, they're my soldiers. Mega, 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 I am not who they are after. I'm just in the way they want to get to you, but I won't let them. Cold-hearted, no, I'm artist, getting back to where I started. I don't need to do the race, I'ma beat them Rico charges. And if I go to prison, you can't do me like the Clintons. I'll be laid up, eating steak with Secret Service, chilling, screaming, orange man bad. The whole world mad, thug life, shout out all of my MAGA base chads. Coming for the deep state, I will stop the new world order. But before that, I'll finish walls at the border. YSL, slash slash, shout out thugger. Trading got nothing on us. All right, a couple of things about this. Uh, let's see, thugger is some rap guy who was staying at the jail. All right, YSL, slat slat. YSL stands for Young Stoner Life. You see, hey, by the way, I've noticed people get really mad when I start talking about the dangers of marijuana. Uh, it's a horrible, dangerous drug, and you really shouldn't smoke it, uh, other than maybe 2% of the people out there. I mean, 2% who's medical marijuana, and it's double and triple checked. Very few studies, by the way, backing up any medicinal uh, uh, help with that stuff, from that stuff. What does the SLAT SLAT mean, though? That's an acronym for SLAT is an acronym for slime love all the time. What does slime love mean? I mean, what is what is the slimes being your friends? However, it isn't used in an acronym, but as an exclamation. It was popularized through hip hop and trap music, and has seen a rise in popularity recently. Slat slat YSL slime love all the time. Slimes being friends. And what's the other thing we learned today? YSL, Young Stoner Life. Wow. Huh. Um, at least it's not sexualized, right? None of that stuff. Can you imagine the music of today, the hip-hop today? You compare it to, uh, like, Motown in the 50s and 60s. What do they sing about back then? Love. I asked that guy from, uh, was it the Four Seasons or the OJs? I met both of those guys. And I'm like, man, your music is very different from today, but it's still very, you know, it still pops. It still works. And he's like, yeah, because we sang about love. And love is like, you know, eternal, right? And this stuff is all about, you know, sneakers and gold and drugs and disrespect. And I don't know. It's just all kind of very crass and materialistic, right? I mean, it is. And, I mean, let's face it. Uh, there is a, well, how many... How many, there are some pretty good white rappers out there, but it's dominated by African Americans. Isn't that safe to say? Hip hop, right? Um, and it's kind of like the new basketball in a way, in terms of inspiration, right? I mean, so many, a disproportionate number of, uh, of children, uh, aspire to be that, right? It was basketball, now it's rap. And 
I just want to see more dentists. You know, I want to see more accountants. I want to see more middle managers. And they're touching on this on, on, on Fox right now. And every now and then they put their toe into it. But what's happened to, um, what's happened to fatherhood in the black community? Um, families of all races are under a lot of stress. And right now, I think less than, it's something like a third, only a third of black children have two parents at home. Now, that's, um, that doesn't really, in and of itself, on a, on an individual basis, that's neither here nor there. People have great lives sometimes, no matter what the circumstances. But when you're talking in the aggregate, when you're talking millions and millions and millions, and you're looking at data, uh, it's definitely, over the course of millions of people, it's better to have two parents at home instead of one. And instead of actually addressing that, which is thorny and hard and awkward and difficult, and it's, quite frankly, much easier to not talk about it and blame white supremacy, right? Because we all hate white supremacy. Everybody knows white supremacy is terrible. Uh, but it's also not a factor. It's a phantom. So keep chasing that phantom while... You know, children are literally going up in flames. I'd rather, I'd rather stick up for the kids. I'd rather raise the hard questions and try to find the answers, the hard answers too. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hard to believe still that Dr. Roz is not in the United States Senate, but John Fetterman is. Uh, that election was uh, pretty strange in and of itself. Uh, the debate was held uh, like three days before the election, and they really encouraged mail-in voting. One of the reasons why um, that commission back in 2005 said you shouldn't have mail-in voting is because big dramatic stuff can happen in the last days of a campaign. And if people vote three months before uh, the election, well, they may miss it, might change their mind. And, um, well, Fetterman's stroke with very unfortunate wish he didn't have it hope he gets uh makes a full recovery but i'm sorry you can't have a guy like this in the united states senate here's john fetterman on a committee hearing yesterday in the u.s senate cut 25 john fetterman democrat of pennsylvania i i uh would, would, would just um really like to you know the 95 95 95 you know, um, you know, obviously, that you know, you're pretty much preoccupied with the with 95, and I, I certainly am too. And we know it's a major uh, eatery, not, not just for for Pennsylvania, but for the east, the east coast. And a lot of Pennsylvanians are worried that the delays and repairs bring to its standstill deal. I'm glad to see last night you were so quick to get three million dollars. The emergency relief to funds got out so quickly. All right. That's really sad. It's not uh, worthy of the United States Senate. A lot of people, 300 million people in this country, right? Um, 100 U.S. senators. He's one of them. This guy beats cardiothoracic surgeon, a great man, Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz. I just don't buy it. I don't buy it uh, for a second. What's the population of uh, Pennsylvania anyway? About 20 million or so? I'm guessing 20 million. Could be wrong. Um, maybe a little less. 18 million. I'd say 18 million. Can you do me a favor and check on that? Let's see here. 18 million. Did they all, um, I, 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 COVID again, COVID. Now they were still screwing around. They're still, okay, 18 million, Pennsylvania. And, uh, 
13 million. All right, not wildly off base. 13 million people live there. I'm actually pretty good at this stuff. And I'm actually, you know, I got some attention for saying that Donald Trump is going to be elected. I said that in 2015. I also made a number of other predictions in 2015. I said that he would beat ISIS. I said, uh, well, listen to this. This is a little skit I did back in the day with Rosanna Scotto. This is Halloween. In 2015, Trump had started this campaign in June. This is October. And the whole little bit is I dress up as Trump. My impression is not good. All right. It's not it's not good. But all the stuff I say, I think, is actually pretty good. The content is better than the impression. So picture this. I got the wig on. And this is live television, by the way, which you're about to hear. Um And I'm sitting at a, at a, at a makeshift Oval Office. We're pretending it's the Oval Office. Okay. All right, go ahead. Fox 5 News, it's time for more Good Day New York. Welcome to the White House, two years from today, October 30th, 2017. We join President Donald Trump in the Oval Office. Hello, it's me, huh? What do you think? Please. America, two years ago, you did a very smart thing. I, I'm, we see the whole thing is we're pretending it's the future. It's 2015. The whole thing is fast forward two years. I'm president. Donald Trump's president of the United States. All right. So it's, this is definitely October 31st, 2015, pretending that the election already happened. Keep going. You elected me president. And I'm here to say you're welcome. Huh? Huh? You know, every day people come up to me. This is about amazing things. Tonight, I will tell you about the most amazing thing I have ever done. People ask me all the time, hey, what's the most amazing thing you've ever done? I say, uh, I can figure that out. I went to an Ivy League school. I know from amazing. Stand by. We're going to get to it in a second. Don't rush me. Stop. You see that little riff that I did there? I couldn't remember the first amazing thing that I was going to say. I had this whole, like this, these notes in my mind. That's why I did that whole thing. I can figure out the first thing. Don't rush me. I went to an Ivy League school, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. Uh, And then I finally remember. Keep going. Now, who remembers that woman I beat? That poor woman, Hillary Clinton. Oh, my God. I want to get the kids involved here. You like those viral videos, right? Viral videos? Who doesn't want to go viral? After I beat her, she went totally insane, cuckoo bananas, nutjob crazy. I got this email to me, and I have it on my iPad gizmo. Only four votes. (laughs) Isn't that hilarious? She's suffering. And by the way, four votes. Excuse me, Hillary. Excuse me. Excuse me. Four electoral votes. I creamed her in the popular vote. All right. Back to my amazing accomplishment. Stop. Uh, The little thing on my iPad gizmo was Hillary Clinton wearing a straitjacket in a rubber room. It was Rosanna dressed as Hillary in a straitjacket in a rubber room. (laughs) All right, keep going. And so far, in one year, I created the Department of Kicking Ass. We got rid of all those stupid, stupid bureaucracies that made no sense. We're a waste of time. Please, excuse me. And we replaced it. And I hired that guy, that general I saw on the news once. He seemed like a pretty sharp guy. He is a secretary of kicking ass. And together, what do we do? We beat ISIS. That's right. ISIS is gone. Now, no, not her. But she is pretty hot. I'm talking about ISIS, the bad guys. You never hear about them anymore. You never hear about them. What do we do? We did it through a combination of bombs, brains, and making fun of them on Twitter. Huh? Huh? It totally, totally worked. Stop. There's a lot there that's great, right? That general I saw on the news once, because 
you know, Donald Trump has learned a lot. He now he knows that these generals, I mean, most of them are full of it. All right. It takes a very special person to join the military. Sometimes it takes a, well, a timid, weak person to stay in the military. Not all the time, but sometimes. All right. Risk averse. These guys, they rise to the top, not by embracing risk, but by avoiding it. All right. And avoiding responsibility. So he thought the generals were going to be great. Turned out not to be so much. Uh, all right. Keep going. All right, I want to talk about the veterans, huh? Listen, that health care situation was ridiculous, all right? It was out of control. I fixed it in like six minutes. They got the best hospitals in the world. And to put ice cream on the cake, a la mode style, I gave every veteran their own house, a mansion, a million dollars, and a rocket car. Take a look at this. They've never had it so good. They love me. All right, I think that's good. This is really, this is like a fortune teller, right? He did do all this stuff. I can't remember what the next thing is. Uh, okay, go ahead. Now, some people ask me, hey, Mr. President, you're, you're amazing, but what about the wall? Whatever happened to the wall? Hey, did you notice? After I became president, the Mexicans, they stopped coming. They didn't want to come to America with me as president. Was it something I said? This is me being coy. I know what I said. All right, all right. It all worked. It was all part of the plan. You know, another thing, I totally busted up Washington. I do things my way. They said, you can't hire your friends. You can't give your friends jobs. You've got to hire these eggheads from these, you know, universities. Rosanna Scotto was my best appointee ever. She is now the ambassador to Italy. Who can forget her confirmation hearings, huh? Take a look. She showed up sloshed. I didn't think that was a good idea. And then, however, to her credit, she sh- showed that she knew every curse word in Italian, all the best ones, and a few in Spanish. And if anybody doubts her qualifications, check out my girl. She could actually find Italy on a map. I think she's amazing. Stop, all right. Stop. No, I re- so I had pictures for all this stuff. Rosanna was holding a martini glass, you know, with her eyes crossed like she was drunk. And then we cut to another picture where she's, you know, like kind of flicking her chin, you know, like a curse word. And what was the other one? Oh, <laughs> like this ridiculously oversized map with like two countries on it, Austria and Italy. And it said Italy. And she's pointing to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> she can actually find Italy on a map. Uh, what happens next? Keep going. So you're probably sitting at home like, okay, Donald, we agree with everything you're saying. You're brilliant. You're the best president we've had in like a million years. But why the big speech? I'll tell you, I'm bored. I'm, bo- I'm bored of success. I succeed at everything, everything, politics, business, finance. Folks, I never made it in Hollywood. And that is about to change. Next week, Production starts on Trump, the movie. We already got the poster. Check it out. This movie is going to be so great, it's going to make Titanic look like Snapchat. I'm telling you. All right? Got a sense of what I'm talking about? So, what's going to happen back here? Who's going to run things in the White House? I got an idea. I know what I'm doing. Again, I went to the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm not stupid. Hello. Yeah, bring in the Looney Tune. Look who it is. Hello, Hillary. How you holding up? Hillary, I need to talk to you about something very important. Hillary, I'm serious. Hillary, if you can't do this, I'll call Ted Cruz. All right. Now, Hillary, listen. I was thinking about making you president. We need an unpredictable presence in this office. Do you think you can do it? You think you can do it? All right. Cuckoo Bananas, I think she can do it. 
All right, listen, I don't have a Bible. I do have a book. I have one of my books. It's the same thing. Put your elbow on that book, okay? Just try to wrestle it over there, okay? Put the elbow on the book. I got another one right here. Don't worry about it. Raise, you can't raise your hand. Just, all right, go with, stay with me on this. Uh, I, uh, Hillary, uh, what's your middle name again? Clinton, Rod, Dennis Rodman Clinton. Do hereby solemnly pledge. Pledge. That I will support, defend, you know, all that jazz. Right, all that jazz. From all enemies, foreign, domestic, and Canadian. Right. Right. You can do that? Pretty please. I'll be your best friend. Pretty please. Uh, you know something? I'll, I'll throw in my personal I, I can't believe I had to say this. <laughs> Hillary, I don't think you have the temperament or the, the right mindset to be president. I, think, I don't think you're presidential enough. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we kind of pulled that off. Good luck, Donald Trump. Good luck, Hillary Clinton. Welcome to our Halloween party, huh? What do you think? Wow. That was one hell of an effort. That was one. I know it's all coming back to me. It was, it was, it was live. It was literally live. And, uh, I was, uh, that was pretty freaking, uh, prescient, right? All the stuff, beating ISIS, helping the veterans, winning the election, uh, <laughs> driving Hillary Clinton cuckoo bananas, nut job crazy. A lot of that stuff came true. Uh, Tony, hello. Hello. You How on, you doing? You on uh, the, you on the beach? What's going on? Where are you? <laughs> I'm leaving the stationary store. Uh, what stationery store? I, I, you know, I love stationery stores. There's only Staples. Which one are you going to? In Wisconsin, uh, it's called Wisconsin Pack and Ship. Been coming here for years. Huh? I love uh, looking around those stores. There are not enough of them around anymore. There's uh, Ralph's on thirty uh, forty uh, forty sixth Street, I think. Anyway, what's up? Uh, I got a. Really, I'm, I'm wondering about this. How come when when Biden was doing all his shenanigans, we we'll use one of Biden's terms. What was Obama doing? Uh, they were worried. They were worried about him getting caught. And it's one of the reasons that Obama did not want uh, Biden to run in 2016. He knew about this guy. They all knew about a Hunter in Ukraine. They didn't like it. They were warning him about it. They were writing memos to each other about how bad it was. Uh, John Solomon, just the news, uh, has posted a lot of those memos. And um, Joe was such a hothead back then, you know, only a few people could talk to him and uh, he'd yell at them if they said anything about Hunter. So uh, they knew they knew what he was up to and they didn't like it. Now, Obama, I don't think Obama cashed in while he was president. He knew the money, the big money would be waiting for him when he left. So, um, you know, as bad as Obama is, I don't think he did this kind of crap when he was in office. But Joe was doing it every step of the way since he became a U.S. senator, probably when he was a councilman, too. So that's my answer, Tony. I don't think Obama was responsible, but he is responsible for his subordinate. Uh, no, I mean, when uh, Vice President Agnew, yeah. no, when Vice President Agnew got indicted and had to resign from office, the political, you know, wasn't good for Nixon, but he wasn't criminally culpable. And I don't think, I mean, he could have, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, actually. I mean, I don't think uh, Obama was, he could have called him in and said, you know what, <laughs> how can you be doing this? You should fire, uh, hey, thanks for straightening me out, Tony. You're right. He could have brought him in. Your son is doing what? Where? Get the hell out of here. I'm the boss. You're right. He should have He should have straightened that out, Tony. Thank you for that. Ooh, Sandra is standing by. Sandra, yes. You said that like, <laughs> oh, well, anyway. Um, I said that well, like what? 
Like, oh boy, Sandra's here again. That's what I. It's okay. I'm kidding. I'm teasing you. What tone do you want me to have? I'm teasing you. Let it go. I wanted to talk about this. I don't want to let it go. <laughs> All right, go All ahead. Right, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. What's up? I love the show. The, the nine o'clock time you got. By the way, I just want to mention that real quick. I'm very happy about that. It's the better spot, I think. It's more flowing. And then the other group can go at the end to kind of match the other. Yeah, I just think this is better, and I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. But, tell me more. What else? Well, I wanted to tell you about this woman. Her name is Jessica Conan. She won a lawsuit in California because they were trying to trans her child, her daughter, and uh, she won $100,000. And interestingly enough, when COVID hit and the schools closed, her child had to learn at home. And suddenly and slowly, she became her old self. Now, um, I feel that she took a stand. She fought. And I feel that every parent out there, if they're lucky enough to find out that this is going on, they can fight it and not be passive. And I want to say that Jack Cetarelli, he stands for this. And he says that if he becomes mayor, and even if he doesn't, we really can have a law that says we can make a law that school personnel are not to assume the role of the parents. And uh, this is important, and I, and I just hope we get him as governor because I think he'll do We don't even know if he's kids. running again. Is he running? Yeah, he's running. Well, Definitely. the election's not like for another two years, right? Right, but he's still working now. Very all right, hard. well, good for him. We all like Jack Cetarelli. I wish he won the last time. Remember that silly white supremacist comment from Murphy? How dare that man? Thank you, Sandra. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I defeated 100% of the ISIS caliphate. Everyone said that couldn't be done, and I did it in a matter of weeks. We have great generals, we have great military, but not the people you see on television. All other presidents failed. After 20 years, they failed. They worked so hard. They thought so hard. They didn't know what they were doing. All of the presidents before me failed. For 20 years, I defeated ISIS in just a matter of weeks. Thank you. <laughs> well, good for him. He did defeat ISIS. It's the one thing you never hear about. Why? Because he was successful. He beat them bad. Uh, remember, they were chopping off heads. The way we got out of, uh, not only did we have Afghanistan in a catastrophic manner, but the same in Iraq. And that gave rise to ISIS. And you never hear about ISIS anymore because he uh, changed the rules of engagement, uh, got the right people. And, yeah, they... <laughs> Uh, ISIS ceased existing, being a factor. Remember, they they took over like a third of the Middle East. It was crazy, totally crazy. What's the other one, please? We're leaving Afghanistan with dignity and strength. Biden left in shame and defeat, a defeat like this country has never suffered before. Yeah, it's true. It's it's so true, and that's one of the reasons why uh, Putin went into Ukraine. Thanks a lot, Joe. All right. I'm getting on an air airplane pretty soon, going down to Florida. Uh, I'm a pretty good traveler. I put my body on droop, and I just go with the flow. It doesn't matter how long the line is. I just kind of, um, you know, anything's fine. I don't worry about delays. As long as I can sit down somewhere, I'm okay. Uh, you know what? I am curious uh, what Norman has to say here about the Trump skit. What would you think, Norman? 
I liked your Trump skit. I liked your Trump skit, Greg. And I just think it's unfortunate that today in 2023 that a major TV network like Fox would not put a whimsical Trump skit like he performed <laughs> in 2015. It was, um, why wouldn't they do it today? That was, uh, that was local Fox, by the way. I think, yeah, but it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I think you're, uh, anyway, Norman, thank you for the kind words. You're welcome. All right. Barbara, I got to go in a moment. Barbara. Hi. You were talking earlier about if a moment comes when you're called upon, you want to be sure you're ready. And Winston Churchill talked about that. He said to every man there comes in his lifetime that special moment when he is figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered a chance to do a very special thing, unique to him and fitted to his talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds him unprepared or unqualified for that which would be his finest hour. Wow. Exactly we're talking about, yes. And we see Donald Trump. He was tapped on the shoulder and offered a chance to do a very special thing, something he didn't think he would ever do. Back in 1988 on the Oprah interview where she asked him about running for president, he said, probably not. But he said, I do get tired of seeing the country get ripped off. He said, I just don't think I have the inclination to do it. But he says, if it got so bad, I would never want to rule it out totally because I am tired of seeing what's happening with this country, Trump said. We're making other people live like kings, and we are not. It's amazing how consistent Trump has been over the years in his beliefs, his philosophy. Uh, That is one heck of an interview on Oprah. Hey, Barbara, thank you, and thank you. I'll see you soon.